This Week in South Baltimore. Brought to you by SouthBmore.com. Baltimore, it's the city I adore. Be it Baltimore rich, be it Baltimore poor. It's a city always searching, never finding a cure. But baby, nothing can replace my Baltimore. Yeah, I'm a native Baltimorean, born and bred. Kevin Lynch, Nate Carper. This week in South Baltimore, we are doing a very special episode today. This is a big moment. You know, we're in 2022. It's our first podcast of 2022 and happy to kick it off here. But there's some even bigger news. We are celebrating with this episode. We are celebrating the 10th anniversary of SouthBmore.com. 10 years of SouthBmore.com. You know, it's been awesome. You know, this is the, the, the news that you get every day. This is the email you get. This is the website. This is uh, all kinds of stuff that he has to keep us informed on what's going on around the neighborhood. Kev, how you doing? What's hey, going what's on? going on? Yeah, I'm very excited to make it to 10 years. You know, it's it, and it wouldn't have been possible without the great support we get from the South Baltimore community coming to our site, uh, going to our social media, subscribing to our email list, constantly giving me feedback. Uh, just the just right when I started the website, uh, I knew right away I had something because I had so much positive feedback from the community. That's really driven me to keep this going, to work harder, to make it better. And uh, this is amazing. Uh, Ten years of uh, covering and talking about the neighborhood I love, which is just an awesome job. And it wouldn't be possible without the uh, the support of the community and uh, uh, just this great community that's generally curious like I was about what's going on around them, businesses, restaurants, events. They want to know all these things just like I did when I started this. So it feels really good to be here after 10 years. And uh Hopefully, we'll be doing the uh, twenty-year podcast at one point too. Right on, right on. So, so tell us a little bit about like how you know what were you doing before you started SouthBmore.com? What kind of got you into this, and uh, you know, just kind of take us down that road. What were you doing before? What kind of made you initially think you know this would be a, a great business idea and a great uh, thing for the neighborhood? Just tell us a little bit about the history. Sure. Yeah, I've always uh, kind of had a love for for media and storytelling and production. I was I was a skateboarder back in high school. And uh, if you're a skateboarder, the only way people are going to see what you could do and see your tricks was putting together kind of video highlight reels of your best your best tricks and everything. So that really got the itch going for me where I liked editing video. I liked shooting video. And then even in high school, I was part of like the the school TV class they had where we produced some funny skits and some some news programming. So really in high school, I realized that I had a passion for like television production and and media. I went to Towson University. Uh, majored in television and radio production there. And, and right out of college, I started a, uh, a video production company and really found a, a lot of my work was in the uh, high school sports world around here. I didn't want to quite move to like Los Angeles or New York to get involved in a lot of big time production. I really liked living in Baltimore and wanted to see if I could you know find enough work in this area. So really a lot of that work leaned towards um, high school sports. You know, there's there's a bazillion high school football games every Friday. There's always lacrosse games going on. So uh, really some of my first um, projects I was able to acquire was people I knew who were becoming high school football coaches and high school lacrosse coaches were hiring me to put together highlight reels of their seasons, highlight reels for players, uh, shooting shooting games. So that really is became a big part of my video production business was shooting sports. And from being at all these like high school football games and high school lacrosse games, it made me think, man, there's a lot of people at these games. There's a lot of passion for this. What if I were to start a website where I were to go to different high school football games, lacrosse games, basketball games, shoot the games, put together highlights of the games and, and put them on a website. So I started my first site. It was called BaltimoreMetroSports.com. That was back in, gosh, must have been the, the mid 2000s. And so that, that was going for a while. And I eventually... 
um, pushed that into a television show, which was on Masson, which is the same network the Orioles and Nationals are on. So that was a uh, it was called Metro Sports Weekly. It was a television show that was covering high school sports in the area. We'd go to the best high school football games, field hockey games, lacrosse, basketball, soccer, anything we could get to and found the time to go to. And we produced a, you know, a 30 minute show, which was on Masson Saturday mornings at 8 a.m., the time slot everybody wants. Um, so I was producing, producing that show and uh, it was really cool to, to have it on television and see it. But talk about burnout that, I mean, I was working an unquestioned amount of just an unbelievable amount of hours a week trying to produce that. And uh, I was kind of bartending on the side at no idea tavern to kind of even make some more money to keep that going. And while it was a really cool show, um, it was just, a, it required a lot of money and a lot of work to, to keep it going. I wasn't able, you know, to produce enough ad income and revenue to, to keep that going. It kind of transformed into a kind of an internet show for a while, which was more like a 10 minute version, which was featured on our site. It was featured on baltimoresun.com. It was featured on insidelacrosse.com when it was a lacrosse show more in the spring. Uh, it was featured on maxpreps.com, which is a, another big um, high school sports site owned by CBS throughout the country. So I did that for a while. And then I was convinced um, to kind of do a more focused website on Anne Arundel County, where we would kind of go to all the high school football games in Anne Arundel County. I was living in Baltimore this whole time, but uh, to film all the football games and the biggest lacrosse games and baseball games in Anne Arundel County, make it a highlight show, which would have been a subscription uh, website. And I had a guy that was going to be the partner with me on that. He was supposed to take care of all things marketing and sales. And unfortunately, that kind of didn't work out as well as I wanted it to. So I was kind of out there kind of doing my video end and the kind of the business end of that was really kind of, kind of struggling along. So I, I did that for a couple of years and really at the, at that time I'd been living in South Baltimore this whole time, uh, moved here right after college at Towson university, just loved the area, loved to see how, how it was growing, how vacant lots and abandoned properties were turning into exciting new mixed use real estate. And I noticed, uh, all these things going on in the neighborhood, I couldn't find information on them anywhere. It wasn't being covered by any of the papers, any websites, any things. And as my, my Anne Arundel County sports website was kind of wearing me out and wearing down, I, I thought, you know, I saw there was a site at the time called North Baltimore Patch. And I, and I thought, wow, if North Baltimore has its own local news site, I mean, I, in my opinion, I love North Baltimore, but I feel like there's a lot more going on in South Baltimore. You would think South Baltimore should have something like that. And I actually reached out to Patch through a couple different um, avenues to see if they'd have any, have any interest in starting something in South Baltimore. Never heard back. And uh, it was kind of like winter, kind of like it is right now. Didn't have a lot going on. And uh, I was like, you know what, maybe I'll just start a website myself covering South Baltimore. And honestly, it wasn't of all the media ideas I've had over the years, it wasn't the one I had the most huge confidence in. But I was like, you know what, I want to know more about what's going on in South Baltimore. I know minimum what you know, I, what I can cover myself will, will be more than what South Baltimoreans are already getting for news coverage. I knew I wouldn't be putting a lot of miles on my car. Gas was really expensive at the time. So I knew I wouldn't be driving to high school football games and sporting events 30 to, to an hour away every day. So I decided to launch the website. I think my mom was, was my first investor. I think she gave me like 100 or $200 to help me buy a, a website template and get my web hosting started. And uh, yeah, I launched it from there. You know, it didn't cost a whole lot of money to get it going. And 
Uh, got a few, I think our first post went out February 9th, 2012. And uh, it was kind of like a welcome to the website. And immediately we did some little articles on like some of the retail spaces that are available in the area and some businesses that have opened and closed. And right away, I, I, I realized, I knew going into it that I love South Baltimore. I knew that I had a craving for more information about South Baltimore. But quickly, I realized that there were a whole lot of other people out there that wanted to know the same things I did about South Baltimore, about you know, what businesses are opening? What are they going to build there? Uh, what events are going on? And so I quickly, you know, just saw like uh, within the first couple months of having SouthBeaver.com, I was able to get more traffic to any website I've ever created before. So I re uh, quickly, I realized I had something. I had something where I wasn't spending a lot of money on additional labor or gas prices or anything to, to keep it going. And uh it kind of just grew from there as so many great people from South Baltimore were coming to the site and supporting it and giving me so many words of encouragement. It certainly inspired me to keep going, to, to build it into something bigger. And so, yeah, it's just really grown and grown over the years. I was excited. I think within a couple of years, our, you know, the, our amount of unique visitors on the site, which is essentially how many people have come to your site, got to like 45,000 in the year. And being a big sports fan, I was like, wow, that's cool. Like the amount of people that came to my website could fill Camden Yards. And now 10 years later, I think we had 560,000 different unique visitors on our website last year. So, so now I think that would be, you know, more people that attend all every Ravens game in a season come to our website. So it's, so it's really cool that, you know, that we're, uh, you know, we're attracting a half a million people to our website to read about South Baltimore, to learn about what's going on in South Baltimore. You know, monthly we have like, about 50 to 60,000 people on our site every month. So it's really exciting that we've we've built this website and it's something that a lot of people are interested in. 10 years later, you know, it's still going, it's still getting stronger as far as um as far as our traffic goes, you know, as far as a business model, um, you know, it's uh it's still being figured out, you know, I've, there's how to make money, you know, strictly with a, a web news site is something that's constantly being figured out and it's definitely a grind to try to sell enough ads and uh, navigate everything to uh, to make it a successful business model. And I've always wanted to grow and haven't quite figured out how to do that yet. But yeah, it's it's been able to sustain itself. You know, I, I, I'm able to kind of grind and, and make it something that can stay afloat and provide me a living for right now. And uh, I'm just so excited to, to continue doing it. You know, you know, it's like when I walk around the neighborhood or drive around, my mind is always like, what's going on here? What's going on there? Constantly looking for the next story. So it's really something I'm addicted to. I love covering South Baltimore. And, uh, and I must say, I've loved meeting all the business owners. I've loved meeting so many residents, so many people that are kind of actively involved in neighborhood associations and people who are politicians things. So it's really just been so much fun. And uh, we'll get into some of the cooler stories we've covered later. But yeah, it's just been a, an amazing 10-year journey. And i uh, you know, hopefully uh, there's a couple more decades in us. And uh, who knows, maybe my maybe my kids will be running it one day. <laughs> Let's hope so. Let's hope so. That's I certainly think so. And then and again, congratulations, Kevin. This is it's awesome. It's amazing that day. It, that's a huge milestone. You know, a lot of small businesses don't make it uh, past one or two years. But, you know, yeah. here we are on 10 years. And and I think you said it perfectly when you talked about, um, you know, you started your business. Like you said, you went through a few different iterations in the early two in the you know, early 2000s, and it evolved into something else. And I think that's, you know, kind of a testament to uh, things that we see in our small businesses around the neighborhood. Sometimes they start as something else, then they come back as something else. And, um, but, you know, I think it's really cool that you just kept reinventing it. And, you know, it's, it's uh, hopefully continue to grow for you and continue to branch out. And I know I've certainly loved partnering with you over the last two years, 
in, um, you know, having the podcast and everything and, and excited to hear about any new uh, features, new developments you're going to take the business in. Uh, but again, congratulations. And uh, I mean, it must feel pretty good to be, to be here at 10 years. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. It, it feels really great. And, uh, you know, keeps me, the, the support we have from the community keeps me motivated to, uh, to, to keep this going and find ways to make it stronger. There's a lot of different roles that go into running a news site, a lot of different elements that make that up. I mean, you've already said uh, how, you know, you're walking around the neighborhood and, and, and you're looking for, you know, what's that new building or what's this new business that's opening up here and trying to meet people. And that's awesome. You know, that's, that's why I try to tell people whenever they want to know what's going on around here, I'm like, well, that's why you got to subscribe to southbmore.com. So, um, you know, that'll keep you informed on, uh, in a positive way on, on what's going on around here in the neighborhood. So, you know, what are some of those other elements that you have going on? Maybe some things that people may not know about. Maybe some people get your email every day, but you know, what else is going on behind the scenes? Sure. Yeah, you know, certainly whether you work in television or radio or, or you're a blog or anything, there's certainly that news gathering aspect is how are you finding the stories, how are you figuring out, um, you know, the content that people want to see on your site. So certainly as far as the news gathering aspect, that really happens a lot just through opening my eyes as I take drives around, walk around. Sometimes I'll go on a random drive just to to see what's different, see what signs are what windows, what what storefronts have brown paper up in them, what for lease signs have gone up, what for lease signs have gone down. Um, I follow, you know, everybody I possibly can on social media. You get some news from there. I follow the local social media groups. Um, I certainly know a lot of people in the area that have a lot of inside tracks on certain sectors of industries around here. And then certainly it's now point two where a lot of people reach out to me and tell me something's happening here, something's happening there. So certainly there's that news gathering um, where it's kind of a different formula to find that. And then once you figure out the stories you want to cover, then it comes into actually, you know, interviewing the right subjects, um, you know, actually writing the articles. Uh, my wife, Christine Lynch, she's actually our editor. So she, um, so while I'm good at um, writing and, and putting together stories, she's, she's certainly an expert at the semicolon and the comma and uh, spelling. So she's, if, if you think our, our articles look nice and smooth, which I hope you do, that's, uh, she's a, a big part of making sure, uh, all of my words come together smoothly. Um, so yeah, that's really the, the aspect of, of producing content. We do a little bit of video stuff, uh, not a ton anymore. And then, then there's kind of the, the business end of the website. You know, Currently, we make uh, our money by selling advertisements. That's kind of uh, on some different layers. We have our banner ads, which are up on the website. We have sponsored content. Um, people are able to kind of like use our email list to send out some email blasts. So there's, there's the ad sales aspect to it where I have to stay in touch with a lot of different businesses, people hosting events, different organizations, all kinds of different things in the area to try to try to uh, drum up ad sales. So there, there's that aspect where it's once you're once you're kind of selling the ads, then you have to kind of work with them. I have a little bit of graphic design experience. So I'll work with them to kind of create different banner ads and different ways to make their make their advertising look good. Um, then there's obviously the, the business roles that come with any business where you're kind of keeping your accounting, you're paying your taxes, you're you know, keeping the lights on. There's a lot of bills that come with, you know, now that we have, you know, you know, half a million people come to our website, there's certainly a lot of expenses when it comes to hosting fees and kind of, uh, you know, keeping our email list going and, and different kind of, uh, you know, running our accounting, there's different fees that come with that. And then certainly there's, you know, there's like the web management roles where I've had to um, kind of learn, you know, I built the website myself. So I've had to learn how to constantly keep the website updated, work with different plugins, uh, work with a little bit of code, not a ton, just to kind of keep the website going. So really there's kind of the tech aspect, there's the business aspect, there's the sales aspect, 
then there's the kind of content generation aspect. And you know, a lot of times you wish it's like, I wish I could just be a writer. Or I wish I could just do sales or I wish I could kind of just do a business person. So, which is one of the cool things about being a small business owner, you kind of have skills in all those different aspects. We've seen that when talking to a restaurant owner, especially right now, especially with the kind of labor shortage going on where it's like, They've worked their way up where now they're the owner of the place, but hey, the dishwasher doesn't show up or hey, one of the cooks doesn't show up or uh, or the host doesn't show up. So that's a good thing about being a small business owner is you're you're able to kind of fill all the different roles. And sometimes you wish you could just be somebody who could dive deep into like an investigative report for two weeks and then finally produce something months later, which, you know, you don't have the time to do when you're kind of running your own publication. But yeah, it's 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 cool. Uh, it's cool, cool to kind of dip in all the different uh, aspects of, of running a media business. And uh, yeah, it's been fun. And I uh, certainly would say to anybody who wants to start their own kind of blog or YouTube channel or publication or podcast is kind of kind of find a unique angle or a unique topic that nobody else is covering, which can make you unique because so many people want to jump in the pool of uh, covering sports or covering politics or covering the Ravens, which is a crowded pool. And you probably don't have the access to those subjects the people with the press passes and people that know the agents and everything have. But if you can find a way to make yourself unique, um, there's certainly the tools out there to get your product out there and to uh, create something that, that can be interesting to other people. Absolutely. And partnerships sometimes are the key, right? Sometimes it's, uh, it's, uh, it's building those partnerships with other people that to an extent you and I do that, right? Like I have a, an audio business, but I have big corporate experience with, you know, working for big major companies and, my niche has been basically, you know, starting my audio business and I've been able to, uh, you know, produce a lot of internal corporate podcasts for large corporations. And I have several clients that I do that work with. And it's great. You know, again, like well, before we move forward, I must say Nate is uh, super talented when it comes to his work with audio, producing podcasts. He's got great pipes. So I certainly make sure to reach out to Nate for any of your your podcasting or voiceover or kind of production needs. He's he's super talented. And I think uh you know, one thing that's so cool about this era, I'm so excited for this current generation and the next ones is if you go back just 20 years ago, if you wanted to be a media person, you either had to find your way on television, find your way on the radio, or I guess get some high profile writing job or whatever that was printed and given to people where now there's just so many ways to create, you know, you have YouTube, you have podcasts, you have anybody can start a blog, um, YouTube shows get more get more viewers than a lot of television shows do now. So there's so many ways to get content out there. I know when I first got into the video business, it's like, all right, I guess I'll just schlep DVDs around and hope uh, people will watch them. And and uh, and now YouTube is so big and all these aspects. So it's so cool that, you know, you don't need a bunch of like network execs to tell you you have talent anymore. You can prove your talent on any of these different kind of platforms now. And, it, and it's really cool to see. And, and sometimes now all you need is a, a cell phone and uh and iMovie and a YouTube account to kind of get some attention or Instagram or TikTok, whatever those kids are using these days. But uh, yeah, it's, it's exciting for people. You know, it's it's not always about who you know anymore, who you know is always big, but now it's just like, get your stuff out there and, and hopefully you find an audience. And uh, I'm such an ingester of all the different types of media. I love all of it, especially podcasts. And uh, uh, Nate certainly has a lot of talent when it comes to podcasting and uh, producing those. And I think they've made, I think I've seen jokes where like, uh, I think a site said, uh, we found the last remaining person on earth without a podcast. So <laughs> we know there's a lot of uh, work for podcasting out there. And if yours needs to sound smoother, clearer, more interesting, definitely contact me. That's right. Thanks, man. I appreciate that very much. And you're right. Every podcast needs its own podcast. 
So that's, like, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. But like, that's so well, they literally do that. It's like the after show of the podcast, you know, and it's like the, it's, yeah, whatever. Anyway, I appreciate that, man. Thanks for that plug. I appreciate that. I wasn't going down that direction necessarily, but I, I love that stuff, man. And, um, you know, here for people that need any extra help, I want to know, man, like, so putting on your, your investigative hat and, you know, I know you love doing the stories. I know you love being out there and, and really, you know, put wearing that, uh, that news cap and, uh, you know, writing the articles and everything. So I'm curious, you know, what are some of the biggest stories about, you know, that, that you've noticed over the last 10 years that you've written about here? Sure. Well, Port, Port Covington's actually is a huge story, which continues to develop, but it's, it really wasn't that long ago, 10 years ago, where people would look at Port Covington and be like, what is the deal with this place? Why is there like a half finished shopping center with a Walmart and an abandoned Sam's club? Why is there like just acres and acres of grass, like next to like one of the hottest neighborhoods in the city on the waterfront? Like, so literally within the first year of, of starting SouthBeamer.com, I did an article called Port Covington, what went wrong? And it talked about how that, that shopping center was supposed to have a home Depot, supposed to have a Staples, they were hoping to get gambling down there. This was the shopping center was started by a company called Sherwood Start or Sherwood. It was a Connecticut company, uh, Sherwood Startuzzi, I think it was called. And uh, they got the the shopping center started. And uh, I guess they didn't get kind of the, the signage they wanted and the highway access. This was back in the early 2000s. So uh, gambling was still going to be, you know, at least a decade away. They're hoping to get a kind of a waterfront casino down there. So, you know, if you go down there still, if you go to where Under Armour is going to be, you still see these like parking lots that were never completed that are like filled with grass. And they got they ended up getting the Sam's Club and the, the Walmart open and everything else kind of fell apart. And then eventually the Sam's Club closed a few years later. And it was kind of just this huge unfinished shopping center that had a Walmart. Then you kind of had this area on the water where Sagamore Spirit is now. And uh you know, Struver Brothers, Eccles and Rouse, which was one of the biggest development companies at the time, they had this big development plan for that property where it's going to be like hundreds of new housing units and office and everything. And, and the real estate market crashed around that time. So that development was never started or completed. You have the Baltimore Sun, they were planning, they have their printing press down there still, but they were planning to kind of redevelop their property and make more of a campus down there. That never happened. Then if you look west of uh, Hanover Street, you kind of had all these industrial properties. There was actually an attempt by Under Armour to kind of be able to take over all those properties and build their campus down there, you know, many years ago. And that kind of fell apart. So it really was just kind of like this comedy of errors going on in Port Covington where there was attempts to make it something and, and they all failed for some reason. And then finally, you know, about seven years ago, uh, Kevin Plank from Under Armour came in and started buying up property in Port Covington with the intention of, you know, moving his company down there. Uh, so he was able to get that shopping center, you know, location, which still had a Walmart, still had a Walmart up until a few years ago and kind of grabbed that space to eventually move Under Armour to it. Initially, he was eyeing some property along Key Highway where Baltimore Museum of Industry and some other properties are. And then I guess eventually he had this idea of this bold vision he could do at Port Covington. So once he was able to get his hands on the shopping center site, you know, the shopping center was 50 acres, another approximately 50 acres was the Baltimore Sun site. All of a sudden he's got hundred acres of waterfront property right next to Federal Hill and Locust Point. So now we've seen what that's kind of evolved into over the last six years. They've they went through the master planning process. They went through the tax increment financing process. They went through the process of doing community benefits agreements with 
the city at large, but also some of the South Baltimore communities south of the project. So really, it's been a huge story where it came from this this piece of property where it's like, why isn't more here? This kind of seems like pretty ideal property or it should be more than it is. Then, you know, one of the wealthiest, uh, most successful business people in Baltimore gets involved. And now we see now where it's it's going to have its Under Armour aspect, but they're also creating a whole new neighborhood there. If you drive by now, you'll see quite a few cranes in the sky. You'll see six, uh, five buildings under construction. It's kind of, it's definitely the biggest construction site I've ever seen in Baltimore in, in my, you know, 20 or so years here. So it's really, it's becoming a whole new neighborhood in some ways, maybe a smaller version of a downtown. And it's, it's, it's going to continue for um, several decades. And you know who knows if I'm still at this business as, as Port Covington still developing. Then we saw Mark Saberstein's 28 Walkers now involved in Port Covington. They're doing a, you know, a residential community with over 800 units. So really, it's, it's really come from some, a piece of property that was, you know, what's going on here to now. It's kind of the most talked about thing in South Baltimore, one of the most talked about things in Baltimore City at large and really looked at as one of the largest real estate developments in any urban setting in the country. So that's obviously a huge story that continues to develop. Another, uh, here's some kind of more um, interesting stories based on kind of who was involved in them. So the most, one of the most read stories I've ever had on the site was um, in 2016, Cam Newton from the Carolina Panthers at the time, who was the M- reigning MVP of the NFL. Uh, he's an Under Armour athlete and he would come to Baltimore to, to do passing camps and train with Under Armour. And he saw people playing beach volleyball down at Rash Field at the Inner Harbor. And he saw it the first day. He's like, wow, that's cool. Then the second day, he convinced all of his guys. He's like, let's go down there and see if we can get into a game. And it was Monday nights when I was playing in my uh, men's two-on-two beach volleyball league. And he showed up with a you know, group of guys from the Carolina Panthers and wanted to, wanted to play in a game. And he talked to Todd Webster, who, was, who runs Baltimore Beach Volleyball. And he was like, oh, we, we'd love to play. And he's like, if, if you can convince these guys to, to let you guys play on their court, then you can play. And of course, everybody's seeing it's Cam Newton. And everyone's like, yeah, heck yeah, uh, hop on, let's, let's play. So, so Cam Newton and uh, some different, uh, I think, yeah. So Greg Olson was down there and uh, he was down there one of the nights. But yeah, so the first night that Cam Newton really came down there, um, I happened to be down there and ended up taking some pictures and was, was around the whole scene. Uh, my, my first son was six months old at the time. He ended up just walking up to me and uh, my, my wife who like uh, rarely came down to watch him play volleyball. She happened to be there with my six month old son uh, at the time. And uh, Cam Newton saw our baby's like, oh, you got to let me hold that baby. And uh, so we we have this picture of my son with Cam Newton that still uh, hangs in our house, I believe, somewhere. And uh, so the next the next that night, I ended up you know, posting in an article, you know, Cam Newton comes down to Baltimore Beach Volleyball. And uh, this article was just read by thousands and thousands and thousands of people. I had every huge sports publication out there, Sports Illustrated, um, you know, USA Today, ESPN, like every big sports media publication you can think of reached out to me to talk to me about this incident because Cam Newton was always kind of an interesting figure where, he didn't get along well with the media, gave some bizarre press conferences, still does. But there was kind of this side of him that was kind of very charismatic and kind of very almost like a kid when he got out with the community. And so there was there was so much interest in that story. Obviously, he was the NFL MVP at the time. So that that story just got thousands and thousands of views. And my phone was just ringing nonstop just from all these 
huge national sports publications that wanted to know more about this kind of incident of Cam Newton coming down and just playing volleyball with random people in Baltimore. So that was very cool. That was cool for Baltimore. That was obviously really cool for the, the beach volleyball community to see that. And uh, so that was really awesome. Uh, Hammer Jacks, which is, um, I guess it's finally open. It's still not kind of the return of the rocking 80s heavy metal club that they want to be, you know. <laughs> we'll still see if that still happens. But we had one of the one of the first articles about Hammer Jacks plotting a return to South Baltimore and the band Kicks, uh, K-I-X or K-I-X-X, I think it is, you know, a big heavy metal band, which I guess K-I-X, so Kicks. Uh, they had this huge Facebook following. They're from they're a band that's from Maryland, and uh, was really excited about the return of Hammerjack. So they they kind of posted on their Facebook page, Hammerjacks is coming back, and they used rsouthbeamware.com link. So that 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 article just got thousands and thousands and thousands of views, and it was cool. You could kind of track Kicks's Facebook page and all these different. And you see all these people, you know, reminiscing about the old days of Hammerjacks and and how it was coming back. So that that, that article got a lot of traction. Uh, so that was that was pretty cool to see uh, kind of the, the music industry kind of find our our website and uh, kind of really share something more than anything's ever been shared. Uh, really right next to where Hammerjacks we've seen kind of from when we started SouthBeamer.com. Uh, we didn't have a casino. There was all this talks about where people wanted the casino to be over the years and how those efforts failed. Well, finally, we have a casino there on Russell Street and on Warner Street down in South Baltimore. And. and that that was a huge construction site that's now open now a whole nother aspect of that is we track where the money that's generated from that casino for south baltimore goes that's a whole nother aspect of stories in itself and now we're starting to see that kind of redevelopment around that casino where now you have top golf going in there's a planned paramount music venue now the ravens are talking about how do we link up better with this casino that's here now they want to build a plaza on the south side of their stadium now so that the kind of the flow of traffic and flow of energy from Raven Stadium connects up with the flow of energy that will come with Warner Street. So next, you know, I think uh, I think Top Golf will probably open probably sometime this spring or summer. So really, that's kind of taken from this area where you know Second Chance Inc., which is a really awesome kind of salvage warehouse that used to have a collection of warehouses where the casino is now. They've moved across the street. Now that's all been kind of bought up by the Seaback, the the owners of the casino. So that's really evolving into this whole new entertainment aspect. And what could be one of our biggest stories of the future, which is becoming a big story now, is it's looking more likely like Baltimore could get selected as one of the World Cup hosts, which Baltimore was definitely seen as an underdog for a long time. But it, now it seems that FedEx Field, Washington's kind of stadium they would have to use, is not up to snuff. They might have to take that Washington bid and either the Washington bid or the Baltimore bid would have to use MT Bag Stadium. So if the 2026 World Cup does have games played in Baltimore, you'll see that whole area come to life and hopefully it'll be pretty well developed at that point. So that could be this just kind of you go from area that never had a casino to then 10 years later, you have this World Cup here. The, the, the area just comes alive. So that, that, that's that been a big story. Uh, the, the redevelopment of Cross Street Market's been a huge story. I know in the early years of South Baltimore, uh, there was a, a local architect named Mike Burton who was working with um, architecture students from Morgan State just to come up with a vision. How could Cross Street Market be more than it is today? There was no real talk of redeveloping Cross Street Market at that time. Then really over the last five years or so, there was there really the city got involved and said, yes, we, we want to redevelop Cross Street Market. They kind of did an RFP process. Eventually, uh, Scott Plank from Warhorse and Case Valley Partners came together 
kind of on a bid to redo Cross Street Market. Eventually, it was just Case Valley Partners, and then they kind of went through the process of getting the legislation. Eventually, got a renovation started. There was certainly some controversy about you know some of the existing tenants in there and how they were going to work around them and try to keep them happy. And some people were, were were kept happy, some people were not. But now you kind of have this redeveloped Cross Street Market, and really, Cross Street Market is certainly kind of the the spine of the business district of of Federal Hill that you know, runs down the middle of that active block of cross street and now we have a, a redeveloped cross street market and then unfortunately as cross street market really gets going get some energy boom global COVID 19 pandemic hits and it's kind of really zapped a little bit of their energy a little bit because i think really what's been hurt the most has been those those um those indoor gathering areas like malls and casinos and food courts have really been hurt kind of the most when it comes to economic impact of, of COVID 19 so while cross street market still attracting some some new stalls in there they've lost some too uh, they'll certainly look to kind of regain their energy in there but certainly we have this redeveloped cross street market that uh, that's that's pretty unique in the middle of our uh, business district and and then unfortunately there's certainly been some some tragedies that have hit south baltimore um certainly two kind of beloved members of our community alex robleski and tim morricone were, were two people that were tragically killed in, in robberies just walking down the street so Certainly uh, super sad stories, but, uh, you know, a credit to South Baltimore to see the way that the community came together after that. You know, both of them have been their legacies have been kept alive with some great fundraisers. You still see the the Albo stickers around South Baltimore memorializing Alex. So it's, it's really such sad stories. And, you know, two people that knew so many members of the community, Tim Morconi's dad and Alex's parents both still live in South Baltimore. So they're still around. So really Two tragedies, but it really also shows kind of the, how strong in some way South Baltimore is where, where if something really bad happens, you know, you saw these these great kind of candlelight vigils and you saw just huge amounts of people taken to the streets to walk through to say, hey, you know, we don't want to see these types of incidents happening in our community anymore. So a very sad story, but also what shows, you know, how beloved those two individuals were and kind of how strong the South Baltimore community can be. So really, um, these are some of the biggest stories I can think of, and uh, I can't wait for the next big stories. I mean, you're doing things that uh, larger newspapers or other media sites just can't do or, or won't cover, uh, can't cover to that in-depth of, uh, you know, understanding. And, you know, Kevin knows everybody. And look, you know, it's no no secret that our small businesses, our restaurants and other small businesses around town were hit pretty hard in 2020 with the pandemic. But, you know, what was it like for you? and and the actual business of southbmore.com. What was it like for you during that time or, or kind of navigate that, especially, you know, at the beginning? And what are some changes that you had to make for your business? Sure, absolutely. You know, such a big aspect of um, what we cover was, all, you know, new businesses opening and, and new businesses renovating, all these real estate developments. And then certainly you have this this pandemic that comes in and, uh, you know, in many ways shut everything down. We certainly had, you know, lockdowns that happened and businesses had to close. And you really think um, there's really that those first three months, it was from like March 2020 to about June 2020, where like really just everything was kind of kind of just shut down for the most part. And um, and then then the stories kind of became there was kind of daily stories about here's the new rules set out by Governor Hogan. Here's the new rules set out by uh, Mayor Jack Young at the time that eventually would become Mayor Brandon Scott. So there, there was certainly content. This is now restricted. This is now restricted. Uh, you know, this business announces it's kind of stepping away for a little bit. So there's there was certainly content to cover, but it certainly wasn't what I love so much about South Baltimore, which is like, this is how great this business is doing. This is what happens here. Here's the events going on. So certainly there was those first three months, which 
were, were tough for really everybody around the world. And then it became really since June of 2020, it's kind of been like, let's figure this new reality out. Let's figure out how to still run a restaurant. Let's figure out how to keep our real estate projects moving forward. Let's, let's con- figure out how to keep business going. And I think it's been so fun just to see all the pivoting businesses have done and kind of learn the ways they've, you know, they've found ways to keep it going because, you know, it was certainly everyone took about three months to, to let things happen. Then it's like, all right, we've got to save our business. We've got to save our neighborhood. And then you look at really what's happened in South Baltimore is we, we've got more small businesses now than when the pandemic started, which is kind of crazy to think about, you know, real estate values have gone up, which you've seen a lot of areas, but that just shows like, uh, you know, if you strip down to like a, a time where maybe your, your small businesses aren't open and you, there's not the great events and there's not the restaurants, people still want to live here. And I think a lot of that is because, you know, if, if it's a time where there's not a lot you can do, you can still open your door and you can see people walking by. You can strike up a conversation. Maybe it's at a 10 feet distance sometimes. But uh, this is a, you know, if you if what you value in life is like interactions with people and seeing different things, it's it's a great place to be you know, in challenging times because you don't have to work hard to see other people and have conversations and just kind of see different things. So it's great to see how this area has rebounded. And and obviously, you know, the Omicron variant and whatever variant is next is still going on. But I think it's become more about figuring out a way to work in this new world as opposed to like really kind of shutting down businesses or anything like that anymore. So it's certainly an evolving story. And uh, certainly with our website, you know, on the business end, it was certainly a challenge. You know, certainly when it comes to advertising, the three sectors that were the biggest for us have always kind of been real estate, restaurants and the event industry. So the event industry basically still hasn't come back. Um, Restaurants have just been through so much in these couple of years. And so many of them are they certainly weren't advertising when they weren't open. And many of them aren't really in a position to be advertising right now as things are kind of always in flux. And then real estate, real estate did quite well during the pandemic, but it, almost in a way it was so hot that um, if properties are selling in two days, you don't really need to advertise them. So while I'm very excited that um, real estate has done so well in the community, it certainly in, in some ways created you know less avenues for people wanting to advertise it because they didn't need to. Um, so certainly it was it was a challenge, you know, you know, selling advertising and keeping income coming in, you know, during this pandemic, and you know, certainly with events not back. Many aspects of that still not recovered, but you know, I worked as hard as I could, and luckily we've we got some different advertisers from from different sectors and, and different things, which which were able to keep things going. And there's certainly a lot of room for growth, but yeah, it was certainly a challenge. You know, certainly my challenges weren't anything like somebody who has a, a big staff or a restaurant to keep open, but yeah, it was certainly uh, you know you, you saw a lot of newsrooms get smaller, and you saw like some publications close up during the pandemic because. In a bad economy, typically advertising is one of the first expenses that, that people tend to cut out. So certainly, certainly it's been a challenge and it still remains a challenge, but uh, I'm always up to the challenge. What can we as neighbors and supporters of SouthBmore.com and those who, you know, subscribe, like, and, and you know, are always checking out your site every day. We get the, you know, the daily emails that you make sure you get to everybody by, you know, 5, 530 every day. Then you have a weekend recap and then you have all the, the great daily specials and and everything that's already, you know, there's so much that you do for the site, but what can we do in the neighborhood and greater Baltimore in general? Is there anything we can do to help you out? Yeah. So I'm a stubborn person. And for many years, I've seen, you've seen so many um, sites have either gone to a paywall or they go to this kind of reader revenue model. And really, I'm probably about the last, uh, you know, 
news publication in Baltimore that doesn't either have a paywall where subscribers pay to actually be able to read the content or kind of like a support our work tab. And uh, really, you know, even if you see like this new website, the Baltimore Banner is launching with with kind of millions of dollars behind it, they, they've kind of gone in saying that, you know, only 30% of their revenue is going to come from advertising sales, where the rest is going to come from, subs- you know, paid subscribers and kind of donations and, and those types of things. So I think I've finally gotten to the point where, you know, and people have kind of approached me many times over the years, how can we contribute? How can we support? You certainly look at the way that, so much of the podcasting industry and the blogging industry and the YouTube industry, they're, they're all kind of supported by this kind of user revenue, kind of Patreon support our work type model where, hey, if you like if you like this podcast or you like this YouTube channel or anything, you know, we don't have a direct way to, to make money. But if you want to see this keep going, get stronger, have us do more exciting things, kind of contribute to our work here. So, so finally, I've started a Patreon page. So that's a way where, you know, if you appreciate the work we're doing here at South Baltimore, you know, you could contribute $2 a month or $5 a month or $10 a month or, or 20 if you wanted to and kind of help us kind of, you know, if you if you like the work we're doing and you want to support us, it's, you know, it's really tough to rely solely on advertising sales. That's a way you can do that. And, and anybody that wants to, to be a part of that, I'm incredibly appreciative that will really help make it a more stable business. And, uh, you know, not be so reliant on advertising sales, which are really difficult in this this digital era, especially with all the different things going on. So, uh, so yeah, I'm excited to finally uh, launch a Patreon page. Probably about probably should have done it two or three years ago, but I'm excited to do that. I'm hoping it's the type of thing that can help take this this business to the next level. I've been approached so many times, you know, um, about adding staff to our business or so many people like, Hey, we'd like a website like that in North Baltimore, or Hey, we're in Canton and little Italy and Fells point. We'd, we'd love something like that over there. And I'm, I'm from the start. I've always said, I agree. I'd love to do that. But unfortunately I've never been able to get southbeamwork.com to the point where it's, it's bringing enough money where I can think about, you know, growing in any way possible as far as adding staff, adding additional coverage areas or anything like that. So, so I'm hoping with this new kind of hybrid of, continuing to, to sell advertising, but then kind of getting some some reader revenue as well while keeping our content free for everybody that we can kind of stabilize what we do at SouthBeamer.com and, and think about ways we can grow. Can we can we cover more aspects of South Baltimore? Can we eventually maybe expand into Southeast Baltimore? Could we maybe, you know, parlay this into a North Baltimore website one day? Things I'd love to do, but uh, haven't been able to figure out how to get there just on based on advertising revenue alone over the you know past 10 years. And, and if we do have more coming, we can figure out how to kind of optimize our advertising more, how to have more options for the business to want to advertise. And, and uh, you know, I want to cap it. I don't want anybody contributing more than $20 a month to our site. You know, if you have a lot of money to give, certainly give those to the good charities we have in around. But, you know, if, if you do want to make a bigger contribution, talk to me about advertising on SouthMirror.com. We have so many great ways to advertise on South in South Baltimore, it, it gives you great visibility. And, you know, maybe if your your business, you know, doesn't have something exactly they want to advertise, you could say, this business loves South Baltimore. You could get a nice banner on our website saying, we love South Baltimore, we love the community. And, and our site with its hundreds of thousands of people that come on, it would be a great way for you to show your love for South Baltimore. You're wearing a lot of hats. So, you know, you're you're doing everything for the business. And and if you had a certain area to, to focus in on, what do you think would be some of those passion projects and, and things you could do to really benefit the neighborhood? 
But yeah, for sure. So my I, the way I kind of thought about it, I, I knew we had to move towards some kind of reader revenue model to uh, really make this business more sustainable and kind of do more things. So the question is, do you have some kind of subscriber model where it's almost everything's behind a paywall, which basically all the major newspapers, a lot of the business sites have now. Do you have it where maybe there's like a premium section where it's like most of it's free, but we take things kind of at a different angle or a different look in our premium section, but then you kind of see the sites that do that where more and more becomes behind that premium section. Or do you just say everything's going to be free? And if you want to contribute, that's great. If you don't, no big deal. Um, so so really, um, so I, I decided to go towards that, you know, that Patreon model because I want, I think really what the mission of this is, I want people in South Baltimore to be more informed. I don't want people to be walking around telling people the wrong things who tell people the wrong things anymore. That's kind of what was happening 11 years ago before SouthMewer.com. The, the rumor mill was crazy then. So I want everything on our site to be free. And no matter what, you know, I do think if we have more money coming in, that, that can certainly, we can definitely take a deeper look at things. Hopefully we can make some hires eventually. It's, it, you know, I've, as much as I love the site, I really haven't had a day off in 10 years. You know, the, the news cycle never stops and it's really mostly just me. I, you know, I brought my computer on my honeymoon. I, I certainly remember a time when I had a surgery and I was on a conference call on the way into surgery wake up from anesthesia an hour later i'm kind of finishing this big article that was when under armor announced their uh their they were going to build this 284,000 square foot building in port covington so it's kind of like the news never stops so it certainly helped to be able to maybe we can have somebody that helps me out on the business end or 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 people that can kind of fill in and write stories so yeah it's it, it will certainly be exciting to kind of be able to improve what we're doing while all that is still free for everybody i like to kind of a you know, maybe one day we'll move to that where maybe we have a premium section where there's maybe a handful of articles um, each week, which are kind of above and beyond what we're already doing. I want what we're already doing to remain free that people can look at. But yeah, I'm, I'm always looking for ways to uh, kind of enhance news coverage in South Baltimore. I appreciate uh, Nate coming along here and giving us a podcast, which allows us to kind of get more in depth with news and with people and with uh you know, maybe times when you can listen, but you can't read something like when you're in your car or when you're kind of working in the garage or, or on a train or something. So, yeah, I'm always looking for ways to, you know, improve our media coverage. And, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of media and all the different ways that people are getting information out to people. I'm interested in all of it. So, yeah, I just I just want to make it uh, continue to evolve as a site. And uh, I know that, you know, a second source of revenue will, will help us kind of hit our different goals. And hopefully one day we can bring our brand of kind of very community oriented business oriented event event style unpolitical unbiased news to different parts of of the city so that that would that would be a, a goal of mine but you know as i've learned in 10 years baby steps right <laughs> 10 years you're an overnight success right that's, what that's right yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's really cool is a lot of times if you google anything around this area businesses or you know, uh, what's going on, like, you know, lunch specials, happy hour specials, whatever, you know, southbmore.com always lands up there as like a top ranking on the first page. So to you business owners out there, I'll tell you, like, it's a great way to make sure, you know, you're getting yourself out there to your local audience, right? I mean, that's the majority of your business is not coming from out in the county or, you know, other states, it's coming from local right here. So that people know what you're doing. And what do you have going on in your business as we try to get 
you know, more restaurants and bars back up and running. I mean, that's the important thing. But Kev, I just got to say, man, it's been a been a blast. I just want to say, man, you're doing a, a great job. Hope you keep it up. And I, I love to see, you know, the 10 year, the 20 year, the 30 year. Who knows? Maybe you'll have uh, SouthBeamer.com. I'll have one of those towers down in uh, Port Covington soon. Who knows? Tonight, the, the ball <laughs> or bullets be. play at SouthBeamer.com Arena. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Th- th- thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, can't, can't wait for the next 10 years. Uh, this is... And this is a dream job in a way to be able to just kind of inundate myself in the community I love. And uh, it's really cool. I'm glad the community has supported it. I'm, you know, I'm glad for great partnerships with, with people like Nate and, and my wife, Christine, and everybody who, who helps to make SouthMeWare.com what it is. And uh, yeah, I'm just uh, it's exciting and looking forward to the future. And uh, thank you for the past 10 years. It's been awesome. Awesome. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Looking forward to... Uh the next episode and thank you all for listening and also don't forget you know subscribe to this podcast we'd like to get the word out there and i really appreciate all the comments and and all the new likes and subscribers we have so wherever you like podcasts please make sure you take a listen just check this out you can also just do this hey alexa play this week in south baltimore Getting this week in South Baltimore from Amazon Music. Just ask uh, ask Alexa or ask any of your devices to play this week in South Baltimore, and it will do it for you. Like, subscribe. Love you guys. South Baltimore. Have a good weekend. Have a good week. Have a good 2022. Talking about my city, but I don't care. I'm repping Baltimore City with my fist in the air. Baltimore, it's the city I adore. Be it Baltimore rich, it be it Baltimore poor. It's a city always searching, never finding a cure. But baby, nothing can replace my Baltimore. This week in South Baltimore, brought to you by SouthBemore.com.